Welcome back. This is going to be season two, episode four of From J to Z. It is day 800 of quarantine, something like that. At least that's what it feels like. And we are coming to you live. So I guess we're not really live. Whatever. Zarek and I are talking, so it's kind of live. But so today we're just going to talk sports. We've actually had some things happen in the sports world. Um, we got the NFL draft. College players are about to get paid. I don't know what to what extent that's going to be, but that's pretty cool. And then we're going to just talk about a little bit of return to play. You know, uh, there's a lot of scenarios being thrown out. Maybe Zarek and I can come up with something crazy and fun, and we're just going to see what happens. So we're going to talk some sports, and here we go. There's the spark they've been looking for, Zarek Valentin. And another the save. Well, Antonella certainly got a touch on that. He needed to. Welcome back to From J to Z. We are your co-hosts, and I am Zarek Valentin. And I am Jeff Attanella. And we are brought to you by Grocery Pickup. Do you have That's that? That's the new one. Yes, I, 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 we do. Kroger, which is a affiliate to Fred Meyer, which is an affiliate to Safeway, which is your homies. So, boom, we're in. I don't know if Fred Meyer is a Safeway. I don't think Fred Meyer is associated with Safeway. But it's all, Regardless, it's all good. If, yeah, it's all good. You guys have curbside pickup? We did, which we did today, and it was fantastic. That's nice. I don't think we have that out here. If we do, I haven't figured out which one it is. I think there is, but I think you have to be a little bit creative in finding the specific spots in which there are. But if you do, we did it today, and it was incredible. That is a good play. So we've been like – I go on Instacart pretty much every day, but every day it's like you just get rejected from any sort of line. You don't even get the wait list. It's just you're just rejected, not welcome into the club. Better luck next time. Sounds like pretty much every bar I've tried to go to in some cool cities. <laughs> just, just go, just go away. It's like that. I don't even want you. Like to be that here. scene in Knocked Up. Like that scene in Knocked Up where there's like, well, you're old, you're pregnant, we shouldn't even be here. <laughs> that's that's pretty much Instacart of 2020. <laughs> We're just being you. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell are you guys? <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. That's oh, funny. All right, so God, we've been in quarantine too so long. So we're brought to you by Kroger Curbside Pickup. Apparently, Zarek had a good experience, and we are brought to you by not Instacart because they have not been dropping off the goods. At least in my house, they're impossible to even get in line. So, whatever. Moving on. So we're here to talk sports today. So there's an NFL draft that was pretty awesome. I thought. What were your thoughts on it, Zarek? I'm just going to ask you a question to open up. Do you think it was better than the OG draft? Like legit, like where he's in the stadium or they're in a, or in a Reno. Do you think it was better or no? I honestly thought it was smoother and more efficient. I thought the results were better. I thought the, the dramatics and the, you know, the fun of watching these guys go up on stage and the passion of them, like hugging the commissioner and having all the loud boos and everybody in the, wherever they're filming it, having them boo the commissioner I mean, it definitely missed that, but I thought it was super efficient. I think it was it was better in a lot of different ways. I I know we've spoken about this in the past, and I had my whole experience of going up on stage and stuff like that. But to look at my own reaction and everything from like a third perspective, and then look at it from like if I was in the living room of my home and my natural reaction, I think you got a lot of intimate situations in which you normally wouldn't have had because everyone knows 
they're they're on camera when you're in a giant stadium like Dallas Cowboy Stadium, that awful stadium. But when you're in your own home, I think you honestly forget the fact that you're on camera because you're like on your own couch and you're like in your own house. I think when that moment hits, you forget about it. Dude, that's an interesting point, and I want to come back to that when we're done talking about the draft because I have a question. I have a follow-up question for that. But so I thought that it was pretty cool to see like all the families that were being involved. There were a lot of like low-key funny things that were happening during this draft though. Like watching Goodell crush those M&Ms throughout the course of the night was hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and you could just tell that the whole draft process was wearing on him so much that the, that the one day, I think it was day two, by the end of the draft when the Patriots picked, he was just like leaned back in his chair, legs crossed, just exact, just like exhausted. I thought that was so funny. Dude, it's amazing. I thought that was so funny. He 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 started he started dressed up in like a full suit. And then it was like ties off. And then it was like button-ups off. And then it's blazers off. And then he's like, next thing you know, he's in a t-shirt. He's in a t-shirt. I thought he was going to end up in a bathing I thought he was going to end up shirtless. Just in a, in a in like some some tank top and some bathing suit trunks like, well, here we here, are. Here we oh, are. Man. I thought round man, 9. I thought I thought watching like the the decline of Goodell's energy level was just phenomenal that was entertaining in itself i thought that was the funniest great. thing about it is like how much money this guy makes i mean honestly this dude makes obnoxious amounts of money this dude wants a private jet like consistently so to think about the audacity of this guy in his like leather chair with his m&ms like i make 40 million a year i'm just gonna do this in a t-shirt dude, i kind of thought like, i kind of dude to be honest i thought that i haven't i'm like not a big Adele guy I don't think anybody that likes the NFL is a big Goodell guy. But I honestly gained more respect for him through this draft. That's the thing about this quarantine that I hope we can all take away from whenever this is over. Is it just humanizes everybody. Like you're looking at Goodell who is this figure, who is this massive figure. The commissioner of the NFL. This big guy that, you know, everybody's supposed to just be in awe of all the time. And he's sitting there at his house crushing m&ms ends up sitting on his little leather chair because he's just exhausted because he keeps reading these names out and trying to like play up to these fans on his tv and you just like it just humanizes everybody because everyone's at home and i think that the, like, i i actually i enjoy seeing that side of people that it's just like broken everyone down to just the human level and we're all like suffering through the same stuff yeah i think he definitely showed a human side of him which as you said, humanizing a bit. I don't think it will lessen the booze in the years to come, but to just show like he's not some robot that just goes up there and goes, beep, boop, pop, boop, welcome uh, Joe Burrow from LSU. You know what I mean? I think it humanized him a little bit when he's like nine rounds deep. You know what I mean? Like, well, here we go. Philadelphia selects. I don't give a shit who they do but whatever here's some m&ms i love it man and it was cool too to see it was cool to see the the coaches and the gms having their kids in the room and i thought it was pretty funny the difference between night one and night two because night one the coaches that are super secure in their jobs and like the gms that are super secure in their jobs had their family in the room they like made it seem like a very laid-back atmosphere but the guys that were new and like the new coaches in the league were trying to take it super seriously but then like when day two came around, everybody had their fam like either the PR guys or somebody got on there, got on them and was like, hey, it's okay to have your families. They're like, it's a good look to have your families in the room. So like open the doors and let them come in. Well, you had like the Chicago or the, the, 
the Browns guy had all this stuff up in the room, like scouting reports, <laughs> yeah. like Twitter, Twitter responses and all this stuff, like obnoxious amounts. Like what are, what are on these notes? And they're like ch- telling the kids, get the hell out of the room and go to sleep. And next thing you know, you got the Kayla Naps of the world, like let them in, let him, trust me, let them in. <laughs> open Promise. the gates. It's okay. The kids are selling. The kids, the family, the families are selling. Open the gates. Open the gates. It's what they want to. See. It's what they want to see. It's what they want to see. I promise, dude. It was so funny. The difference between night one and night two, like with the families and just the way that they were acting, I thought it was so funny. I also thought it was super cool. Everybody was giving like Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury massive come up, all time flex sitting there in his nice button down, his nice slacks in front of his mansion and whatever. Like that whole dynamic of the Cliff Kingsbury was just an all-time flex by a very good-looking good-looking human being. But I thought the I thought the biggest flex was this dude Mike Zimmer who's the coach of the Vikings. Did you see the room he was sitting in? No, I he don't had, remember. It. So, I mean, it's Minnesota, right? So it was just like I don't know, it was just very fitting. He had the Zimmer Ranch like metal gate in front of his fireplace and he just had animal heads everywhere and his and his desk his desk was like uh i don't know man his desk was just massive oak and he just had this huge chair that just engulfed him and it was just i don't know man it was just so minnesota and it was just so mike zimmer if you have followed him at all in the nfl that i don't know i just loved it i loved it no, I think it's cool that that the personalities were shown, and I think that's something that you don't get when you're at a giant stadium. It's everyone has a suit, and also like if you have a suit, it's also about being like cool. Like, am I gonna wear a ridiculous suit? How am I gonna dress? At this point, it's like if you're at your house, you're gonna dress in what you want. Tua had a suit on. Good for him. I love it. Some people have sweats on. Some people have like three phones or whatever it might be. But I think that you got to see a lot of personalities. You know, some genuine personalities, which you don't get to see when it's a hundred thousand people in Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Dude, that brings me to my point that I wanted to touch on. I think that the whole quarantine factor and the fact that all these things are being done via FaceTime and via Zoom meeting, whatever you got going on, and you're getting to see a side of athletes that athletes, celebrities, whoever, people that normally don't open up to the media, people that aren't normally able to you know i guess peel back the layers a little bit because they're a little bit guarded in what they're trying to do you're getting to see this side of people that for me has been really cool like i've been following these athletes like carmelo's telling all these stories of course you had the last dance so people are opening up about their stories about the last dance but you're getting to see all these athletes that they're not being these robots and they're not being these guys that are so focused on their sport but you're getting to see them as who they are as people. And I think that that's been pretty cool. And I think it's been really interesting because it's something that you don't normally see. It's the same thing with Goodell. Like you think of Goodell, you think of these coaches, you think of these GMs as big figures. And I don't know if this makes sense, but they're all breaking down to their like human form. So you're starting to see them as who they are and just not the robots that you usually, that you usually hear about. But I think that's part of the joy in which we do this. I want people to have a realistic perspective on what we think. For sure. You know what I mean? mean? Dude, like we've, we've, been talk- to the media. we've been talking about, I mean, I've been talking about my daughter pooping all over her room and we've been talking about funny stories since we started this podcast. 
But a lot of guys, a lot of athletes aren't really open to doing that. But now that now that guys are stuck at home and these meetings and these and these interviews are done via computer screen, like before this, I only FaceTime my like my best friends and my family. Those are the only people I ever FaceTime with. So my interactions over FaceTime or interactions over Zoom are usually with my best friends. So now that I'm talking to you know what I mean? Like now that you're spending your time talking to a reporter or you're spending your time talking to someone that's interviewing you, it's a little bit more easy to be relaxed because you're at home and you're through a computer screen and it's not, I don't know, it's just not the same questions about, oh, what happened in this game? Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Richard. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff Carlisle. Sorry, Chris Wadalowski. No, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, no. I, listen, we, I think that you and I are very different stories when it comes to that. But I'm talking about like NBA players, NFL players, every sport, every sport is you're seeing a side of athletes that you never get to see. And it's not just one or two people in the league. It's truly everybody that they interview. But the one thing I'll say is that, and I'm going to transition into the next point. And I think that we both enjoyed this new draft. And I think we enjoyed the, the, the format of it. And do I think we need to do it again? Not necessarily, but I really enjoyed this format. But what I'll say is this, we're going to transition to the last dance, which is one of the most talked about viewed things in ESPN history. In, in, in my take, everyone was talking about this last season with Jordan. And in terms of, you see Jordan talk in public about Rodman, about scotty about his contract about phil right and he's that personality and then you see him in his house and guess what he has a cigar and he's got a glass of scotch and he's a lot more candid and i think that plays into the fact that when you're talking to someone in their environment where they're comfortable and they're cool you're gonna get completely different answers and arguments and ideas than if they're like at a scrum after a game, after a tough loss, even a good win, they're going to get completely different answers a few days later when they're completely chill. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, the fact that we're, that people are able to do these interviews from their own house, they're comfortable, but dude, so the last dance though, I think that, <laughs> I mean, what's just been your takeaway on it? I mean, I think that it, it, it was never going to not be successful because of, the way that it was released. But the thing that's sticking out to me is, dude, Jordan, you oh, of course, like to be the best ever, you have to be a general. But he was like such a team focused on winning person. And this latest episode where it was like, oh, Rodman wants to party. And it was like, well, all right, like we can let him go party. and But like Jordan went and brought him back. Like, that's, that's cool. Like, and he went and brought him back and, like, brought him back to practice and was like, hey, dude, like, you got to party, but now we're back to winning. So get get yourself in line and we're going to start winning again. And it, and it wasn't even like it was a big deal, if that makes sense. I don't know. I thought that was pretty sweet. I agree. And we haven't had this conversation. But is Jordan your greatest basketball player ever? To be honest, I don't know. So the Jordan era, I mean, in the 90s, I was three years old to 13 years old. So I wasn't at an age where I could really, really understand what he was doing 
for sports, what he was doing for the game of basketball and what all he was accomplishing. I remember where I was the last championship he won, and I remember where he was when they beat the Jazz for that last one. But up until that point, I wasn't at an age where I could make an honest opinion, you know, because for me, all I've known is LeBron and Kobe in terms of influencing the game and what the impact they've had on the game. But I mean, just based off his championships and what I'm watching now in The Last Dance, yeah. I mean, the guy was dropping 60 points in playoff games like it was nothing at a time when nobody was scoring points. So is your answer yes or no? I understand what you're saying, but I want to get a yes or a no. I mean, I guess my answer, I mean, my answer is yes, I guess. But like in terms of all around basketball player, I don't, I guess I don't know. But I mean, yeah, I guess my answer is yes. He's the most influential athlete ever in the history of athletes. Listen, I understand. I'm not talking influence. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll say yes. But because for me, it's it's a non Jordan's one and it's you. He's up there and then the rest you can negotiate. And it's based on a few different aspects in terms of winning. It's based in terms of competitive mentality. It's based in terms of influence. But that's not basketball player. Like competitive mentality but is I understand. a basketball player. Are you talking so like, you wanna, are you talking, are you talking, are you talking if LeBron boxes him out on a rebound is who's going to win on a box out of a rebound? What are we talking about here? I'm talking, if you can take one player first, if you have the first pick in, in a fantasy draft of a five and in, of life in, in in life, if you if you have if you have one shot, if you okay, if you have one shot to make for the rest, if to live or die, who do you take? I mean, is it is it based off their era? Anybody, you can take anybody. Okay, well, I would. I mean, are we taking Wilt Chamberlain and putting him in now against Shaq, or are we taking Wilt Chamberlain when he was playing against? You get one shot six foot from white whatever. guys. I think, <laughs> I, th- I think you're overthinking it. You get one shot from like a mid 17, 18 foot jumper. Like one one guy with a ball with the game on the line, is that, what, is that what we're talking? Your life on the line, yes. I mean, probably Ray Allen. <laughs> Get the f- you're out of your mind, Jeff. You're out of your mind. If you listen, if you're going one on one, no, I'm kidding, bro. Of course you take. Go- of course I, you take Jordan. Of course, but, but if you're starting, if you're doing a five on five, if you're doing a single shot, if you're doing a free throw, no matter what. Listen, and my and my. And this is, and I grew up idolizing Allen Iverson and Kobe. They were everything. And that's why, like, if you ask me, like, the greatest players ever, Jordan is one. And then it's like you start at two or three. Then it's LeBron or Kobe. And I'll probably pick Kobe because of the fact that I grew up watching him. I still watch LeBron, but But the mentality aspect of different. But I'm just saying, like, for example, someone goes, if you have a one-on-one game and your life depends on it and you get to pick one NBA player, like who are you picking? I'm picking Jordan, bro. Like I think I would pick LeBron. Dude, I really I don't mind. think so because why? Why? Atticus why? The all right, if you're talking one-on-one, right? Okay. He's bigger. He's stronger. Like he might not be as good at basketball. But he's just a bigger physical human being and he's more athletic and he's his basketball ability is good enough to compare. But if you're talking about if you're talking about putting him on a team and the ability to win championships and will his team to winning, 
then that's Jordan. But I don't think that Jordan, I mean, dude, the way that these athletes and especially in basketball, these way, the way that guys are evolving in terms of what they can do, like, dude, the Greek freak is seven foot whatever and can play point guard. That didn't exist in the 90s. That wasn't a thing. So it's just different. I, I have a hard time comparing eras and athletes in different eras because the game is so different. And I agree. And the one thing I'll say is this, to, to argue that point, is people always say, oh my goodness, Jordan played with Scottie Pippen. He was one of the greatest players ever. And Dennis Rodman. LeBron played with Dwayne Wayne. He's also played with Chris Bosh. He's also played with... Uh, Kyrie Irving, he also played with Kevin Love, and you could say Kobe played with Shaq. You could play. Uh, well, yeah, Steph everybody Curry played. played with, everybody played with good players. I, so, so, so first off, so no, no, so that argument is completely null to me. So everyone says that, but in terms of like size and strength, okay, Jeff, how tall are you? I mean, how tall am I, or how tall am I listed as? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're you're six two, right? Yep. Okay, I'm six foot. Would you say you're substantially taller than me? No, but dude, what? How no, tall is Jordan? So, no, no, how tall no. is Jordan? Jordan six six. LeBron six eight. It's not that big. LeBron six eight. Yes. Are you sure? Yes, that is two inches taller. So people say I'm gonna look this LeBron up. is so LeBron is so big. He's so much stronger. Like cool. He might have lifted a little bit more okay, weight. Okay, but did you but see the now? Oh, oh man, I'm getting riled up. Did you see the videos of Jordan lifting weights in the nineties? Dude, LeBron could LeBron can lift a car. Jordan's in there lifting <laughs> a dude, and no disrespect. Listen, listen, Michael Jordan is the best athlete, most influential athlete, probably the best basketball player of all time. He is the greatest accomplished athlete in the history of athletics. That can't be argued. But I'm just saying. I think LeBron is a more physical specimen of a human being and is and could probably win a one-on-one based off his physicality with Jordan. I I'm not going to completely disagree with that, but I'm just going to say I don't think it's as drastic as people try to say because he's bro, 2 inches is like the not even like the of a pointer finger, like less than that. So the idea of that is completely different to me. And again, I grew up idolizing Iverson and Kobe. And then you look into their histories and it's the way Jordan was. So like that is, for me is it. And then I look at like their influence on players and all these different things. And I understand there's different aspects of it. So it's difficult. And listen, it's a fun conversation. It's a fun conversation for a lot of different reasons. And I just did some research here, buddy. LeBron, 250. Jordan, 216. That is a difference in physicality, a massive difference. So you're if saying we're talking one-on-one basketball. You're telling me two fifty versus two sixteen. That's a huge difference. I understand that, but you're but that's not. First off, I don't believe LeBron today is two fifty. I think he's lost a lot of weight. I think LeBron a few years ago might have been quote unquote a little bit more dominant. But I think we're getting into a little bit more of the the semantics of the idea. I want to keep but, I want to keep going. I want I have one more point that I want to make to you. All right. Okay. So Jordan Jordan is the undisputed number 1. I will give you that. Based off of his impact on sports, based off of 
just everything he did for basketball, for sports, for Chicago, winning the championships, okay. his mentality, all those things. He's number one. Cool. But if you are LeBron James, right? I think that LeBron James is so underappreciated because of Jordan. LeBron James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in high school, labeled as the chosen one. And Michael Jordan, like if you watch that documentary, Michael Jordan had a lot of work to do at that age. And he had he needed to go to college to to build into the type of player that he is. LeBron at 17 years old was labeled as the chosen one, was drafted number one overall, and he has not disappointed at any step in his career. Do you know how hard it is to be 17 years old? I mean, dude, Freddie Adu was labeled as a chosen one. And what, I mean, like, no offense to Freddie Adu, but it's a lot of pressure to deal with. And he has been the best player in the NBA, I mean, for a majority, if not all, of his career. Maybe in the earlier years, he hasn't been. And I, I think that that goes so underappreciated because we expected that out of him at such a young age that it's just not, it's not fair. Like, it's not fair for LeBron. <laughs> No, and I and th- that is a sense of I will agree with you in terms of I look at LeBron James and I look at Derek Jeter in the sense that as an athlete, these guys are viewed as like the pinnacle, right? And guess what? They didn't have a quote unquote trip or a fault or a relapse or whatever. You know, they they maintained their level of greatness on and off the field or court, right? That's important too. A few other players have had some ups and downs. Of course, some players have had their ups and downs, whether it might be this or that, but they stayed really relevant. And like, listen, I hate, I hate the Yankees so much. Preach. But I respected Derek Jeter for the fact that he was the face of like the arguably the most famous sports franchise arguably in the world and i hate to say it but guess what this dude besides like dating a bunch of really hot chicks like was pretty steady in like the way like he dealt with his life at least according to the media so like i gave him a lot of credit and i give lebron a lot of credit for like being so like relevant 24 7 and not necessarily messing up so i give them so much credit for that that i can't and i can't i can't say anything besides that i got a decent jeter story care to hear it so oh, so he sure sure mr tampa so Bay. he and jordan i don't know if they still do it this was like back when i was in tampa and had friends at an age that would actually get invited to things like this but he and Jordan used to have an annual party in Tampa and they would have people go around. It was like known at the time of year that the party was was kind of close to happening. They would have people go around to nightclubs and casinos and, and bars and whatnot and just find the most attractive women that they could at these places and just like slot them an invitation card. And it was almost just like, like you have gotten the golden ticket to the Tampa party of the century. And it was like the Jordan, it was always known as like the Jordan and Jeter, whatever. And you would just get these, you would, I mean, I never got one, obviously, 
but you would get a ticket just slipped to you by some mysterious stranger, and it was just this invite to the Jordan Jeter party in Tampa. I never got one. I mean, yeah, I never got one. I had some friends that said they got one. I never heard about the party, so maybe they were lying, but I always thought that was pretty funny. Listen, regardless, but what I'll say is uh, Jordan went to college for a little bit. Le- LeBron didn't. I, I want to somewhat wrap up with the fact that they somewhat spoke about recently about college athletes being paid for their names or likenesses or whatever it might be. How do you feel about that? I mean, I think that I think that it's a slippery slope, but I also think that, you know, a guy like Tim Tebow should have made some money off of what he was doing at school. And I think that these big time athletes, you know, Johnny Football should have made some money for what he did for that school. So I definitely see the I definitely see the the side of, you know, those big time guys that are putting a school and a university on the map and really shouldering the weight that comes with carrying a college football team or, or, you know, like a Duke player that's carrying a college basketball team. But at the same time, it's, you know, as a, as a person that played soccer, you need, you need big time guys like that to bring popularity to your school so that you could fund other programs you know what i mean because college sports isn't a money-making thing you rely on these big time sports to do well so that you can bring money into the university so i don't really i don't know i guess i'm kind of split on it honestly that's not really a great answer but i could see the big yeah it's not great no it's not (laughs) i could see the big time guys making money and if you want to go out and promote yourself to make money i guess that's okay but I just think it's also a slippery slope because if you're a big time guy and you can go promote yourself to a booster and get paid a million dollars to go to a school, that's kind of a, I don't know. I just think that's kind of an unfair advantage. I don't know. It's a tough decision, I guess. What about you? I think it's definitely tough. I think that another part of it is hypothetically, let's say you went to someone like Akron, like I did. And we didn't have team jerseys, but they sold two of them. And they sold a number six and a number 10. And a number 10 was Ampai, Ampai Patakawan, who was like our longtime captain. Really great number 10. Lots of goals in college. (laughs) And then we had a number six, who was a guy whose name is Darlington Nagby. And there was a bunch of number six jerseys sold. Um, and I can understand how someone like that might want to hypothetically take that money and take care of their family if they can or take care of themselves or make life easier in that sense. So I understand that it might not be as crystal clear. But also, on a side note, how would you feel if you were a goalie, if you, hypothetically, Jeff, you were a goalie, but the attackers in front of you got some sort of uh, endorsement check from EA Sports and they took it and invested that in their family as opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to buy some beer for a party or I'm going to buy some cake or cater Chipotle for a team event because this is my money and I want to give it to friends as opposed to I want to just take it for myself. Oh, I wouldn't care. I mean, if people, I mean, if listen, if you're on a team and there are guys that 
are clearly the the top dogs and they're making money i don't care i'm i mean i would want them to if i go out to a bar one night and i'm in college and i'm you know getting pictures i would it would be appreciated if they picked up the tab but at the same time hell yeah, yeah but like <laughs> but like at the same time you can't i mean in college you could tell you could just tell based off of what happens every day on a football field or every day on a on a field who's the person that's going to be making money and who's the person that's not going to be making money or who deserves to be making money at least. So I don't think as a teammate that would annoy me much. I, if I, Like I said, if I went out to a bar and it was like dollar shot night and he wasn't picking up the shots, I'd be pretty disappointed. But outside of that, I wouldn't For care. sure. But, but what I'm saying is hypothetically, if you're Trevor Lawrence and you're probably on the cover of NCAA football and you're all over, all over town in Clemson in South Carolina and then suddenly – your offensive line wants to do something and you're not the guy pulling weight or doing this thing. I could see how that would create some imbalance and not, not to say like I would feel that way, but I could see like his offensive lineman saying, Hey, like we protect you every game. Like you can't pick up. Why aren't I getting paid? Uh, Chipotle tab. That's true, man. I never thought of it that way. That's a good point. That's a good point. It, it, it could bring some, when you bring money involved, when you bring money into it, things get messy. <laughs> For sure. And like I said, I think it's a little different in every situation. And I'm not trying to say these guys should or should not do that. And I think that it's great because now you're you're starting to see a giant group between NBA, you know, prospects saying, you know what, I could go to the G League and make $500,000 or I could go to Kansas for one year and then make more money. So what am I going to do? And it creates this giant imbalance. But... I think I think that the I, I think, think that you I, have to look it in terms of the way that the money could affect the people around them in their sport to potentially affect the way their teammates view them. I think that the NBA, the NCAA messed up by not allowing these NBA players or these high school players to go to college or to go straight to the pros because in basketball if you're ready to go to the pros you can go to the pros and you can play, you can ball, you can like step on the court and, and, and play. Football, physically, you're dealing with grown men who will destroy you. Like if you're 17 years old and you think you're good enough to go to the NFL, well, maybe you have the skill set, but you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, and you're a little boy and you're gonna get you're gonna get killed out there. But for the NCAA to say that these NBA players who these guys that are good enough to go straight to the NBA, that's when the whole situation got super murky because then you have, then you have a guy like LeBron. We've been talking about LeBron, but you know, he's the biggest proponent of more than an athlete. These guys should get paid if you're making them go to college because they're good enough to get paid. So by doing that, they made the whole situation super murky and dude, that's such a good, I never thought about that. That's such a good point about if, if you would resent a guy on a team for making money. I never thought about it that way. That's a really good point, Z. Really good point. Yeah, my my issue is I think that it's a sport by sport basis. In in the NFL, I think it's very different. I don't I don't think any player in the NFL could go from high school to the professionals. It's not I I don't think it's possible. And I've never played a game of football in my life. But judging by the fact that you see Heisman winners like like fall in picks from like one to whatever 
or you see guys who are like in the Heisman running, like you see Eric Crouch who won the Heisman and never made a team. So to think that you could go from he made it as a wide receiver and then got cut and retired after before he even played one yeah. down. So, so to think about that is is just unrealistic. In in MB in the NBA, maybe it's different. So maybe in a sport by sport basis, it should be different. But dude, I got a question. All I right, so that, I got a question for you that we could tie this back into soccer a little bit. So you're talking about the players making money, and this whole thing just broke down where the football players and the big players at these universities are going to start making money. I mean, Cincinnati, who, when I was in school, Cincinnati was in the Big East, and now they're in the American, but Cincinnati's a big program, and without even hesitating, they cut the men's soccer program from that school, and man, when I was in, when I was in college, we had some battles for Cincinnati, and Cincinnati just, just had a team in the MLS, so you would think that that area is, you know, a fan of soccer, but... The university cut it like that. But then you have, on top of that, you have the the Development Academy who has now folded. So does that make college soccer more relevant again? But then you have programs that are cutting college soccer. What's going on with soccer right now is very interesting, especially at that youth to college level. That now if the NCAA has to start paying guys... It'll be interesting to see how the funding breaks down and what that means for men's soccer at the collegiate level. Because we both played college. I love college soccer. I thought it was awesome. I loved playing college soccer. Yeah, I never thought of it in that sense. But I think it depends and varies on a state-to-state, person-to-person basis. And the reason I'll say that is because, and I know you and I know I, did not grow up in a situation in which we were uh the chosen know, part one. of the union or right. part of or part of um dc united or, or red bulls oh, okay. or if, i guess in florida it might have been we weren't part of a development academy so we weren't part of that necessarily that that group so that advantaged us in terms of going to college to potentially get that but i think that that obstacle potentially proposes a great uh challenge for kids because you know, some people might say, you know what, I live in Lancaster and I don't want to drive all the way to the Philly because it's an hour and a half drive or two hours, depending on where I'm from. And I and my family can't afford that. So we want to have the opportunity to go to college. But uh, Lancaster University, which doesn't exist, uh, folded. So who knows? And I think that um, it's really difficult because Cincinnati was a good was a good soccer school. We both know people for that, that went to Cincinnati and it was it's wild to think about that. Um, I hope that doesn't happen to more schools, but I think that college soccer will always be there. I think that's always going to be a thing, in my opinion. It's just a matter of how they find a happy medium between the teams that are part of the MLS structure and teams that are not. True. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I hope so, man. I One of the things that I was reading, I think it was Paul, Paul Feinbaum was saying this, that he thinks that because of the current situation and the way that funding works out for these different schools is that the top programs are just going to take over that, you know, the, the teams with the richest boosters that the, you know, the biggest universities are just going to take over collegiate sports and you're not going to have that parity that, that has been so fun. Right. I mean, the NCAA tournament in basketball this year, especially would have been nuts 
because there was so much parity and guys were going to all these different schools. There were little schools. Davidson was like a top five school, would have been a one seed. And then even in football, you're getting the argument where, you know, a UCF, when they go undefeated, should they be in the top four? So there's just, there's been so much parity in college sports lately that's been making it so fun that I really hope that, you know, a fallout from this, you know, this situation, this COVID-19 thing that we're all dealing with doesn't just make the biggest money programs the most dominant in all the sports because that's not fun. As sports fans, like we're both sports fans, it's not as enjoyable when the top teams are the ones that are always dominating all the time. So I hope that's not a result of what's going on. I agree, but I also think in in terms of like league senses, I think it's going to be completely different. If you look at like the MAC, we Akron was in the MAC, and you wouldn't have put Akron on the front of NCAA soccer 2010 or whatever. Do you the think hell you guys win anything were. if you're in the ACC? We don't need to get. That's a totally that's different. A t- conversation. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to provoke. Me Tune in next one. week. <laughs> Tune in next week. Listen, Jeff. We opened up a way at UNC and a way at uh, Wake Forest, and guess what? We 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 spanked UNC three zero away, and we beat UNC, or we beat Wake two zero away. At home. Yeah, but so it's we're not, not going to get. It's not about the opening days. It's about the dog days, brother. Those are the days you and earn your do- keep. And the dog <laughs> and the dog days we won that year too. But I'm poking the bear. I'm poking the bear. Don't poke the bear. But what I'm saying is, I agree. But my whole thing is, I think that the money, hypothetically, in this like media sense, might not be as much in the Mac or the WAC or the big West or whatever it might be, as opposed to the ACC, but there will still be money to be made in different markets. It's just a matter of how you look at it. So it's difficult and it's a very difficult conversation because it's going to completely shape the way people choose their universities. Ultimately, I just hope it doesn't take away from college sport because we both know college sport is great. We both love Penn state football and I love watching NCAA football on a Saturday. I don't care who the hell it is. Amen, brother. It could be, a, you know what I mean. It could be a random football team ranked on a on a Saturday at like 10 a.m. I don't care, but I just hope that th- this like competition aspect doesn't take away from that. And I know money changes everything, and we will agree with that. But I just want that competition aspect to always be there as much as possible. Amen, brother. Damn, I miss sports. God, I miss sports. I think. And I miss it too, buddy. But listen, we can we have each other and we can move forward and hopefully our our pod helps people get through it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know everyone's missing sports too, man. Man, dude, I miss sports. It was it was nice to I will say it was nice to have the draft though, because it was it felt normal. You were watching the highlights. There was a little bit of normalcy to it, which which was cool. Which was cool. I think everybody needed that. And the last dance has been cool too, because it I don't know, it just it just feels like sports is back a little bit but yeah so you know that was the sports pod we could uh i think zarek and i honestly could go on for another hour but we're not going to uh debate if uh akron would have won would have won the acc on this pod akron was really good we lost to him multiple times so i'm not taking away from akron but it's just a fun uh fun way to poke the bear but no so that was uh you know we're just talking sports i hope everybody enjoyed it um you know sorry it's been a couple weeks but the Atnella household is just utter chaos, so I appreciate you guys bearing with us. But I hope you guys enjoyed. That was uh, us talking sports, season two, episode four. Zarek, you got anything for the people? 
I just want to say it's been crazy times. Obviously, we're opening up. Please stay healthy. Stay safe out there. Because there's people like my grandma out there still fighting it. So no matter what, if you don't do it for yourself, do it for others. Be well from the from J to Z podcast. Enjoy yourselves and hopefully we'll hear from you soon. Love you guys. See you next week. Take care. See ya.